Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seifer, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. Um, <laughs> so, how's everyone doing? Well, I should let Ken and Thomas answer first before I just start screaming. Well, I was watching the game, so I didn't have to recap it like one of our esteemed hosts. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go with not great, Bob. Do 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 the do the readers, commenters, listeners, whatever, are they familiar with the term cabbage? Do you think they know what that means? Probably not, right? Yeah. So so among those of us here at uh, Mason Avenue who write recaps, well, there's a term that we use. I don't know where it came from. I couldn't tell you. But oftentimes, we're obviously, like, writing the recaps during the games, you know, so that we don't have to write 1,500 words immediately after the game ends. But in very Mets fashion, uh, the things will change quickly in the late innings, usually not for the better. We refer, we refer to this as being cabbaged. I've just been cabbaged extremely hard. Yeah. It's from Avatar, the My Cabbages guy. Is that what it's from? Okay, fine. Then, then I've been, my cabbages! Yeah, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> and I have another crate of cabbages after this one! That will also probably get run over by a sky bison or something. So the meds blew a pretty big lead, huh? Yeah. They were up 7-2 in the 7th. Andres Jimenez makes one official error and two real errors, and then Edwin Diaz gives up a game-tying home run, you know? And Sounds Luke Voigt hits a check swing single through the shift. <laughs> <sighs> Everything's according to plan then. I was like actually I was like, like I was a little annoyed today. I'm like, man, I gotta recap two day games. It's so nice out. I could do other things. I could go play Minecraft, I could yeah, go outside <laughs> and read, but no, I guess I gotta do this. But then I was in a pretty good mood. I'm like, oh well uh first game's going well. Second game, I'm going to get to see Lugo start, and I'm going to get to see Devi make his uh, – Devi Garcia, for those of you, Yankees' top prospect, get, get to see him make his major league debut. Things are going well. And then the Mets happen. <laughs> I'm just going to go jump out a window now. Okay, well, maybe promote extend trade will make you happier. I don't know. Well, we'll see. All right, well, today is Hideo Nomo's birthday. And in Japan, he had a 3.15 ERA in about 1,000 innings, a little bit more, and 1,200 strikeouts. And in the U.S., he was uh, he had a 4.24 ERA in 1,976 and one-third innings and 1,918 strikeouts. And Nomo kind of gets remembered as, you know, Rookie of the Year in, I think, 94 or 95 it was, and, you know, an okay pitcher during that era. But really, I think he should be remembered more so for kind of being the guy that opened up the door to Japan for players and for his pitching mechanics, of course. His nickname was Tornado, and basically that is the best way to describe his uh, mechanics with all the twisting and torque that he got in it. So in honor of Nomo and his delivery, what other pitchers with pretty unorthodox deliveries are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First, we have Donshaw Willis, then we have Pat Nishak, and then we have El Duque. Oh, uh, extend El Duque, no question. Yeah. No question. I think I want to 
if we're extending El Duque, because I agree, I think I want to promote Nishak because side armors need the love. Or like, is he submarine or sidearm? Like specifically? Yeah, I think he's sidearm because yeah, he right. kind of his arm is still at the like uh, perpendicular to the ground. Yeah, and then I regrettably trade Willis, and I don't even want to trade Tantra Willis because that was awesome too. Like he, this is he like I want all three. <laughs> I want to extend all three. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was awesome. He was. For all of two, three years, whatever it was. I I honestly don't I'm I don't remember Dontro Willis that well, unfortunately. Uh his career was probably two thousand two or two thousand and three to maybe seven yeah, or eight. That's before he, I paid he attention. Played till eleven. He played till eleven. Yeah, I, I remember like late right. career bad on like the Tigers, right? Yes. He was on yeah. that I remember that Dontrell Willis. He was he was involved in the Miguel Cabrera trade. Him and Miguel Cabrera for He was good from 03 to 06. Yeah. With 04 having a four ERA sandwiched in between like really good years. But yeah, he was a he was a six win pitcher in two thousand five. He was a hell of a hitter too. Yeah, he could hit. <laughs> he was fun. I thought he struck out more people than this. I mean, he probably struck out a lot of guys proportionate yeah. to the time. Because it's yeah, like 17 percent yeah, yeah. Right. Like, back then, that's a lot. And now it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> like low. That's like, oh, you're only striking out 16% to the minors with you. <laughs> Definitely you're a bad middle sure. reliever. And he was left-handed, so that's always helpful. Mm-hmm. I had to extend Pat Nishak because... Probably like 2010 MLB games on PlayStation or around that period of time. My brother basically always kicked my ass because I don't have time to like dedicate myself to games. But guys like Pat Neshek and Ryan Fierben, the the knuckleball we've talked a lot about on the show, guys like that who he didn't know about that I would draft and put on my team were his weakness and I would just be able to dominate him with guys like that because he couldn't time <laughs> anything. He would know about Dickie and he would, you know, draft him or whatever to make sure that I couldn't, but other guys <laughs> like that existed and they were basically the only thing I had. Nice. <sighs> yep. Yeah, I mean, I always hated the, like, in basically any baseball game you play ever, the, it's, the, it's all timing. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. It's timing and reflexes. It's especially <laughs> bad if you, like, if they... Uh, this was always a problem in backyard baseball for me, and I couldn't tell you which pitcher it was, but, like, they'd, you'd start with a more normal guy, and then you'd finally get the hang of that pitcher, and then they'd bring in... Who was the dude who, dude who threw a knuckleball in freaking backyard baseball? I don't remember. But it's just like, well, I'm not getting a hit for the rest of the game now. That's cool. <laughs> going to guess and hope... Then you get babbipped, you know, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Only it worked like that in real life. Alright, um, we'll head over to Asia now, and the Unilions went 3-1, and one, and then they had a game postponed by rain, so they're 14-10-1 on the second half, and that actually puts them in first place. And they're 40-44-1 on the season. Uh, hitter of the week was Chi Chen Chen. He was their speedy leadoff hitter. Outfielder, uh, four time he's been hit of the week now. He went 
7 for 15 with two doubles, four RBI, no walks, and three strikeouts. So nothing particularly exciting, but getting on base at a basically 500 clip with a little bit of pop is pretty good from your leadoff hitter. Yeah, you'll take that. Yep. And then the pitcher of the week for the third time in a row now is Brock Steichhorn. And he allowed one run over seven innings, scattering four hits, walking none, and striking out ten. LG Twins now, they went three and three, and then they had a game canceled because of rain. So they're at 54, 40, and one for the year, which is third place, three and a half games behind the NC Dinos. And it was another close one for hit of the week this week. And I was really tempted to just give it to Roberto Ramos outright because he hit a triple. But Hansu Kim just narrowly edged him out. He went 7 for 23 with a double, two homers, six RBI, two walks, two strikeouts, and a hit by pitch. And the pitcher of the week is someone new for a change. Rookie Yunsik Kim, who threw six scoreless innings, scattering two hits, walking two, and striking out two. So Kim is from Guangzhou and one of the most prestigious baseball high schools in South Korea is in Guangzhou and he applied and he got denied. So that sucks. Oh. Uh, That's not yeah, how oof. I expected that to go. <laughs> big, big oof. <laughs> yep. We all know that feeling. Uh, he went to a different school and his high school career was kind of a mixed bag. In his freshman year, he was just kind of there like most freshmen. Uh, in his second year, he most, he missed most of the year because of injuries. And then in his third year, he was the staff ace. So the way that the KBO draft works, there's two phases. In the first, and I kind of like this, in the first phase, teams draft players from their designated geographic region. So the LG Twins, they play in Seoul, so they get to pick a player from Seoul, and no one else can in that first phase. Latte Giants, they play in Busan, they could pick any player from Busan, and so on. And then the second phase of the draft, teams are allowed to just pick anyone from anywhere. So in the first, yeah, it keeps things kind of more not amateurish. So does that mean, does that mean like all the, like, so the elite players are all going to go in phase one to their geographic team? Yes. Uh, there's different, I believe it's only for rookies out of high school. So, I mean, you could have ah, a guy, yeah, okay. who's like a, a college, you know, really good college guy who would be ineligible for that. Got you. Okay, that makes sense. The Wilpons would love this rule. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it's. I mean, they draft teams. this way anyway, so <laughs> exactly. they already do this. No one can make fun of them for it now. Excellent. <laughs> it favors teams, obviously, that have that that play in places that are you know larger populations. That's why in Cuba the Industriales are such a powerhouse team because in Cuba it works basically the way it works is you can only take players from your city. So obviously Havana has the largest population and the most people, so you have a bigger talent pool. So That's similar. That's cool and unfair. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it is. It, it's... Like, I like it, but also it's like, damn, if you're you're just screwed by geography. If, yeah. Like, at some point. And then I'm sure... So then, say that I don't live in a big city, but I want to go to high school in a big city to get a better chance at going to a better team. Is that a thing? It might be. I don't know the exact specifics. Okay. I just, I mean, it might be from the player's school. It might be from the player's place of birth or current residence. I'm not really sure. Got you. Okay. That makes sense. I just wasn't yeah. sure because I could see uh, families doing that. Like, oh, you get a, you have a better chance of being 
a KBO star if you go to this high school because then you could get drafted by a better team. It would make more sense that it's done by either residence or or place of birth, like on your birth record or whatever. Yeah, because no, 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 yeah, I agree. You, yeah, you could go to any school you want and kind of game it. But yeah, so with the Twins' first pick, not in the regional draft, but in the actual everybody draft, they took Yunsuk Kim, and he was the third player overall that was drafted in the 2020 draft, which took place in 2019. Uh, so he looked good in practice over the off season, and the plan was for him to kind of be used sparingly in relief and then occasionally make spot starts during the 2020 season. And he made his first professional appearance on May 5th at the beginning of the year. There was some growing pains, and he kind of settled down at the end, by the end of the month. Um, he didn't pitch very much in June, but he was uh, getting stretched out, and he made his first start on the 23rd of June. He kind of got beat up, four runs over five innings, and they kind of paused the experiment. But then they resumed it again in August when Wu Chan Cha, who was a veteran left-hander uh, starting pitcher, he got injured. So a spot in the rotation in, uh, opened up, and they put uh, uh, Kim in. And he's generally been ineffective. <laughs> a couple <laughs> of starts that he's made. Uh, but this, this shutout basically has been his best start to date. Um, fastball tops out around 92-93, which is above average for the KBO, and especially good for a left-handed pitcher. And he complements it with a slider and a curveball. And his biggest issue right now is that his control isn't great, but, you know, that makes sense for a 20-year-old who has not really pitched much professionally out of high school. Um, he has 16 walks in 41 innings this season, so not not optimal, but it's also not terrible either. But more of a problem is that he just runs up his pitch count, throwing a lot of uh, pitches outside the zone and stuff. And finally now, the Occult Swallows. And they went 1-5 for the week. Not great. And that puts them at 23-31-5 for the year, which is now dead last in the Central League. And it's the third worst in the entire KBO. So they're really playing up their Mets uh, affiliation. <laughs> but, tell, but tell me, Steve, have they blown a five-run lead in the ninth slash seventh any time recently? You know, probably. Oh, not no, actually no, because they just get blown at the beginning and it's ah. Sort of, you yeah. know, I prefer that honestly, but here we are. Yeah, it does make things more palatable when you know. Um. <sighs> Who is the hitter of the week? Whoops, I didn't write it down. Well, that's embarrassing. It was me. Good job. I was the hitter. Of Thomas, me. you did a good job, and we're all proud of you. I hit 100. No, uh, hitter of the week. <laughs> you <laughs> hit 100 or 1,000? You want to take another swing at that there, no, big slugger? No, I, 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 I want to be accurate. I, uh -huh. hit, 100. <laughs> I okay. hit 100 with a single. If we're being accurate, all of us would hit zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to there total aside, strikeouts. <laughs> total aside, there was a, a commercial, like, it has to be a decade ago at this point for the New York lottery where some guy wins it and then buys the Yankees and he puts himself in as the starting third baseman. You I guys remember this? That. Yeah, I yeah. Did. And he's just like, it's just pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> and, but totally accurate representation of what would happen if anyone tried to, you know, play Major League Baseball. Anyway, that, that's that's my side. Yeah, all right. Well, so Thomas is hitter of the week. And then the <laughs> second, second best hitter of the week is Tomotaka Sakaguchi. He is the uh, 
old veteran that's old enough to have been a member of the Kintetsu Buffaloes. Oh, and nice. he went he went eight for twenty five with two doubles, three homers, five RBI, no walks, and two strikeouts. And then the pitcher of the week is once again the ace, Yasuhiro Ogawa. And this week he went seven innings, allowing two runs on five hits, one walk, and four strikeouts. All right, uh, we have a little bit of roster news now with the Mets. And they added Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos to their player pool in Coney Island. And like Francisco Alvarez, the other position player prospect who's there, Beatty and Vientos are still way too raw to have any kind of meaningful impact on the MLB team. So there's no chance that we're going to see them uh, in Queens. And outside of possibly being traded, who knows? I'm crossing my fingers, knocking on wood, hopefully not. Basically, they're just there to get some, you know, organized exercise and play. And, you know, in a lost season like this, it's going to be really important, especially for Beatty. More than him, than anybody else in the system, this is going to really impact yeah. him this kind of lost year. I wrote an article about it. I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll run it. But assuming things get back to normal next year, he's going to be a 21-year-old without any experience above rookie ball in the South Atlantic League. Two years older than the average age for top prospects. So not great. So him getting some professional reps against, like, you know, good players that are over in um, MCU Park is going to be really important for how he develops next year. And another thing of note this week, maybe we'll get into it a little more on the show next week, but Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball had a formal sit-down, finally, for the first time in months because both sides were complaining that the other people were negotiating a bad faith and they didn't want to talk to each other. Um, But MLB presented a formal proposal of what they want to do for next year. And basically the most notable thing is that they want to take over all governance and operation of minor league teams and that the relationship between MLB and, um, and minor league team is going to be more like a franchisee system instead of just kind of a bunch of independent owners who latch on to major league clubs for a period of time. Interesting. Um, basically, yeah, minor league baseball would be signing away sponsorship rights, broadcasting rights, licensing rights, and some powers like scheduling, uh, training umpires, conflict resolution, things like that to major league baseball. And in exchange, major league baseball would take on a lot of the costs that minor league baseball teams have. And they would eliminate some of the fees that minor league teams have to pay them. So basically, minor league teams would have their costs lowered and most likely their revenues raised. Uh, this is kind of business minutia. As someone who's not really a business person at all, I don't really see a major problem with with this stuff. I mean... It probably benefits the minor league teams more, especially since major league teams have more power for reaching out in terms of licensing and, and yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, cool. obviously you could get them on TV more, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I have a lot of, I think we all have a lot of problems with what major, major league baseball's general stance towards the minor leagues, their general philosophy about baseball in general at this point, and their general sleazy practices, but the franchise system for the minor league teams seems to make sense to me. 
Like, it, it makes more sense to me than just a bunch of random teams flipping around. I also think you can build, like, more team loyalty then, right? Like, it's one yeah, thing if... Like, yeah. I, oh, okay, I'm an Oakland Athletic, or, uh, or, or fine, let's say I'm a Met fan, right? And I want to get more into baseball, so I guess I'm going to follow the 51s for a couple years. And, oh, now the Mets have changed teams, so do I still root for the 51s? Do I actually care about the 51s, or do I only care about the 51s because they were the Mets affiliate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think this makes a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, team minor league teams would have ten year licenses instead of like the shorter agreements that they usually take, like you know, three to five years, whatever. I definitely prefer that too because, you know, Binghamton has has been a Mets town for you know twenty plus years. Norfolk was for a while; it should have always been. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingsport was a Mets town for so long. Columbia, the same thing. So it's nice to have these random places as being like Mets places, you know? Right. No, yeah. And not not that I excuse any, not that I excuse their lack of investment. We've talked multiple times about how relatively cheap it is, but maybe teams would be more willing to make those sorts of investments if it's like, well, this is our minor league team. We're not going to invest in facilities or or housing or, or what have you. And then swap teams in two years and have it not matter. This is yep. our double A affiliate. Mm-hmm. It's just so. better off for the game of baseball in in general, I think. So can we do this and also not get rid of like forty percent of the minors? Yeah, that's I think we'd be dream. onto something there. Apparently not. I mean, you know how these poor major league teams have oh, yeah. not a lot of yeah. money. Yeah, it's awful. And then yeah. And also another thing that was in the uh, discussions between the two sides is that they dropped that whole stupid Dream League proposal. Good. Um, because regular independent baseball has such an easy time. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and basically they replaced a not well-thought-out harebrained idea that didn't make too much sense with a new harebrained idea that was not well-thought-out and doesn't make any sense. And they want to have now a baseball cup which basically, according to the proposal, is a single elimination tournament throughout the course of the baseball season between the remaining 120 minor league teams and the 30 MLB teams. So I can't wait to see, you know, the the low A Columbia Cyclone, uh, Columbia Fireflies get destroyed by like the powerhouse Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, that makes sense, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, scheduling the whole thing would be terrible to begin with. That just sounds like bad baseball. You just see a lot of really bad baseball. It's basically based on um, the cup systems in European soccer, right? Yeah. Because that's how those games work, too. However, the problem is those teams in Europe aren't affiliated with the higher-up teams. It's not like a direct feeder system. And also, like... Those teams in Europe are usually like still twenty year olds and like like twenty five year old dudes who are like perfect like full time professional soccer players. Yeah, like even. the cup system only works if you like have a relegation system, which the yeah. ba- which baseball obviously doesn't, and nor do I think they should really. I don't know that that model would work. It's not. Yeah, they're not set up for it. It's like I uh, mean, I, don't, I just don't think it works with baseball because the the development timeline is so much longer, right? Like it works in soccer, I think, but not so much. In, anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. Like this just seems like another dumb idea. They're full of them. Yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, I don't know who thought it. Was. I mean, I could see for the for the minor league host cities, it would definitely bring revenue to the games because okay, I'm in, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a random ass place, Johnson City. Because oh yes, the soldiers. We, we love Johnson City, and you know, okay, the Dodgers are coming to town, the Red Sox are coming to town, the actual major league teams. Like, okay, definitely would would bring the fans to the stadium and pack things out. But in terms of like quality on the field, um, you know, I, I don't think so. I think the Mets would probably be one of the few teams that would lose. To- <laughs> Oh, the Mets would absolutely lose. They find a way, a single A team or whatever. A left-hander who throws like 87 and basically (laughs) has a fastball and a breaking ball that doesn't have much of a form will dominate them. (laughs) But But, they they already struggle whenever some whenever the Marlins bring up. I, I, I was I was trying to come up with like a generic sounding name and I pulled nothing, but generic lefty number forty three who throws ninety with no breaking oh. ball and no hits them for six. Innings. What the hell? What the hell is the guy's Doug Nut Bobson? What yeah, the Nut- hell? Oh, do you not know about that, Lucas? <laughs> who the hell is Doug Nut Bobson? Let me see if I can put the thing in. There. I don't know. Basically, it was like a Japanese baseball game. And oh, oh, that JPEG with the fake names. Right, yeah, yep, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't realize Dugnut Bodson was one of the yeah. names. <laughs> that is a, a very common American name. Uh, yeah, I have lots of friends named Dugnut. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. It's just not going to be, like, those ga- like, in other sports, in soccer, a team could, like, score a goal as a fluke and then, like, win a game by accident, like a really low-level team could beat a high-level team. I don't think that's even possible in baseball. Like, like No, it just would be these lower-level kids would be serving a batting practice. Yeah, like Jacob DeGrom would just go pitch a perfect game against a bunch of high-A kids, and then the Mets would move on to the next round, like realistically. Mm-hmm. It's just like I, like, I don't know what you're, what purpose you're serving with that, because all you're doing is discouraging a bunch of kids who aren't ready to face Major League Pitching, and then Wasting a bunch of time for major league players. Well, yeah, this gets right back to the issue we've talked about before. We're like playing better talent is good to a point. Yeah, exactly. Like a triple A team. Sure. I, I get like mm-hmm. where a triple A team could like with a bunch of like a really good triple A team, like a team with a really good prospect system who has a lot of prospects at the upper levels would be able to at least give a bad major league team a game, but like. I think it, the the level gap is too big. It's the same thing. Like, would the 0-16 Browns lose to a college football team? No. no. You know what I mean? They would kill them. They 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 would win by 70 because that's a bunch of kids and it's a bunch of adults who play a game at a higher level that the kids just don't. So I just think it's it's dangerous and it's going to get people hurt. Like a pitcher is going to tear his UCL because Degrom had to face freaking uh the the Savannah uh. Fireflies, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I was thinking of Savannah Sand Nats, and I went to, I mixed them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's what's just gonna happen is Garrett Cole gets hurt because he tries oh. to field up all off the mound. And Do you think any team. fucking major league team is gonna let their high priced oh, no, ace pitch no. in one of these games? <laughs> Fuck I mean, no. you never know. You never know. 
It's his like, data pit. I mean, the Wopons do that like every year with the Cyclones versus the Staten Island Yankees. True, so. but the Wilpons are not exactly a, a model of functional baseball ownership. Soon they're not going to be a model of baseball ownership at all anymore, thank Christ. Yeah. Long-awaited. But, yeah, um, it's just not a good idea. Another not well-thought-out idea for Major League Baseball. Like, it seems very much like an idea that one of them Googled. Somebody is like some business exec who doesn't love baseball or particularly care about baseball Googled, uh, all right, what sports ideas do kids like? Tournaments, that's it. Let's do that. W- without thinking, okay, wait, how is this actually going to function? Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Probably the people that are indeed in the MLB executive office, people that don't like baseball. <laughs> All right. Um, so our minor league coverage this year obviously has been very different because there's no minor league games being played this year. And one of the series that we've been doing is a tour of the Mets minors where we just kind of look at the history of the different affiliates and the cities that they play in and the culture around the teams and mascots and all that kind of stuff. We're almost at the end. This week we're going to be doing Binghamton. And when I started doing research about the history of baseball at Binghamton, a name came up, and at first I didn't put two and two together. I recognized the name, Bud Fowler. Bud Fowler. Why does that name sound familiar? I should know it from somewhere. But I couldn't place it. But it was whatever. You know, you, you read about millions of guys that have played baseball over the years, so I just didn't really put two and two together, nothing like that. But then I, I was doing more research, and I was reading further, and then I realized... Bud Fowler, he was the first African-American to play in organized baseball. Uh, I was just in Cooperstown a couple of weeks ago, and he's featured pretty prominently in some of their early Negro League stuff. Um, Moses Fleetwood Walker, he's generally accredited with being the first African-American to play in a major league baseball game. But Fowler predates him uh, by about five, ten years or so, and he played in minor league ball. Um Fowler was born John W. Jackson in Fort Plain, which is in upstate New York, in 1858. And not long after, him and his family moved to Cooperstown, which is about 25 miles from Fort Plain. And he grew up there. And he left Cooperstown in his early teens. He changed his name to Bud Fowler for reasons that historians are not fully sure. And he basically started traveling around playing baseball. And for the next decade or so, he bounced around to a variety of minor league teams, and he established a reputation as being a pretty good player. Uh, he was versatile. He could play basically every position, including pitcher and catcher, and he was known for being a, a good hitter. He was speedy on the base paths, and he was a smooth fielder. So in 1887, after spending the previous year playing for a team in Topeka in the Midwest and hitting 309 and leading the league in triples, he signed a contract to play with Binghamton. He was on the Binghamton Bingos, uh, for anyone who remembers when we were doing a little bit of the history of Binghamton on the show a couple of weeks or months at this point. When, how, when did they change that name? I don't, I, I've forgotten the... Many times. Yeah. Basically from the late 1800s until about 
10 or 20 or so. They went by the bingos. They went by the triples. They went by the gems. They went Some by real, a lot of there's names. real gems in those names, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be, I'll be leaving now. <laughs> so, uh, basically, representatives from the team said that they were happy to have him aboard. He was a good player. Everything was going to be good and, you know, he was going to help the team win. Um, he got off to an impressive start. By late June, he was hitting 350, and that led the team. And, you know, the lesson to learn from all of this is that regardless of what you bring to the table or, or how good you are at something, basically racist pieces of shit are always going to be racist pieces of shit. And yeah. in late June, despite the fact that he was leading the team, he was hitting 350, and he's one of the best players on the team. A couple of his teammates basically refused to play if he remained on the team. And then they got more members of the team to join them in the protest. And they all demanded that Fowler either be released or whatever. And he eventually quit. So, you know, I don't know. They'd rather lose than play with a black man. That's... I just don't understand the mentality. Pretty low. And, it, and, and it's not like these are players who were signing superstar contracts. I mean, these are guys that they have to work during the offseason, like other baseball players of this era. But they had to, you know, lean on that secondary income more because they were minor league guys. So they were making even less than the major leaguers at the time who were not making very much. So they would rather bring home less money to their families than play with a black man. Uh, I don't know. It's just racist. Like that's all it is. Yeah, like, it just it is it is a mental illness because that makes no sense. But I mean, um, it's also depressing that. See, I don't know. I don't know what's worse to me in my mind. Right? That the fact, like, it's obviously awful that anyone would would do something like that, act that way uh, in front of your teammates, in front of your. But, but the fact that it seems like no one stood up to defend him, I think, is worse. Yeah. That's true too. It's worth like I not not that I'm ever going to defend racism or racist, but I think there's lots of reasons why people who are raised in certain environments might think certain things and need to be shown that they're wrong because they are wrong. But if you're not one of those people and you see that happening, you have a responsibility to do something or say something. So it's depressing to me that. Either he was in an environment so bad that there was no one who knew better or that the people around him who might have known better didn't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I could just imagine how frustrating it is. Like, obviously, I I would never know how frustrating it is, but, like, to be be in that situation, Mm -hmm. it's just – it's just – incomprehensible you know and people live with that even today mm-hmm. with that frustration and it sucks well if there's any silver lining here it's that the team basically disbanded about a month and a half later karma yep yep and they, they were disbanded because of financial reasons from the top so i hope that those guys didn't even get paid in the end and Fowler, on the other hand, he went to play for a bunch more minor independent teams. Um, never again, though, in a professional minor league. Mm-hmm. Now, here's, here's where things kind of get interesting. 
Um, and you could see the, what, what, what is it called? The, the butterfly effect, the ripple effect in play here. Mm-hmm. About two weeks after this incident, when Fowler, you know, quit and was released, the International League, which is the league that Binghamton played in at the time, not the same as the modern day International League. About two weeks after, they formally banned teams from signing additional African-American players that already weren't under contract. That same day that they banned further signing of American African-American players, the Newark Little Giants, were, who were a, another international minor league team, they were playing that day. Would you happen to know who they were playing? I would not happen to know who they're playing. Hmm. I have no hmm. guess. The Chicago White Stockings. Now, do you oh, know who uh, was the player manager on the White Stockings? Awesome, what year uh, is this? 1878. Oh, uh, I don't have any guesses then. If it was maybe early 19s, I would. Is it that's Nap a- Lahoe? No. All right. I can come up with a name or two, I'm sure. That's like old, old. Yeah, that's like. Player manager of the White Stockings, who like refused, Al Spalding or something like that, or you, I don't know. You are that is the correct era, but no, it was not Fuck. Al Spalding. Damn it! It was Cap Anson. Oh, oh, he was real racist. Who is, right? who is that? I don't know who that is. He's, Cap Anson refused to take the field if yeah. George Stovey, who was uh, a black player on the Little Giants, pitched. He had. Tried to use that same tactic in the past, but he wavered at the last second when basically he was told that if he didn't take the field and his team didn't take the field, he'd be charged with the loss. This time he didn't back down, and Stovey basically he feigned an illness at the last second and scratched himself. Not <laughs> scratched too long after. <laughs> yeah, well, Anson not, did that a few times. Yep, refused not, to take the field with mm-hmm, players of not color. Not too long after this, the St. Louis Browns got word of what happened, and they pulled the same stunt when they were supposed to play uh, the Cuban Giants in an exhibition game. And they were in Philadelphia at the time, and a writer at the Philadelphia Times said of the incident, quote, for the first time in history of baseball, the color line has been drawn. And basically, this set off... Uh, kind of chain reaction that resulted in the gentleman's agreement where black players were banned from baseball until, you know, Branch Rickey signed Jackie Robinson in the late 1940s. Mid to late 1940s, but. So. It's just a good discussion for us to have this week for a number of reasons, obviously, mm-hmm. based on what's good, but also because uh, Chadwick Boseman just died, of course. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it, I mean, obviously Binghamton was, this Binghamton team was not affiliated with the Mets. The Mets would not exist for another almost 100 years or so. And the world was a better place because yeah. of this. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is, you know, Binghamton is New York and not that far away. And it is baseball history. And this is a major event that took place and had things, you know, played out differently. The history of Baseball, the history of the United States itself could have in theory been different if these yeah. two, you know, if these two assholes originally hadn't started rallying their teammates to have Fowler quit. If the league didn't say, hmm, we should not allow African-American players to get signed anymore because the white players don't like it. 
And then emboldened by all this, Cap Anton started pulling his shit and it started to become a thing in the majors then. So just interesting to see how things progressed right, you know, in our own backyards, basically. For sure. Well, I mean, on a, on a like slightly more positive note, obviously things aren't perfect and there are still many problems, but I'm glad we've made at least some progress in this regard. Like it's better. Yeah. I, I think that is important sometimes to remember that like things are bad and I again, I can't comment on how, how people in these situations feel obviously, but like we've come a long way and it's taken a long time. Don't get discouraged just cause like we, we have to keep fighting to, to make things better. Don't be discouraged just cause it seems like it's hard right now, I think. Yep, it is true. Well, those are pretty poignant last words for the week, so we can leave it at that. And if anybody has any questions or comments, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvahus343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Metzizen. SDN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.